0: Welcome to the Lamp the podcast that shines on the greatest stories ever, greatest stories
1: ever.
2: Welcome, welcome. Please, won't you come in out of this dreadful storm? I think that you saw the lamppost in the woods. No matter, of course, please, let me take your coat. I'd be delighted to host you this evening. Won't you sit? Warm yourself by the fire. I'm certain my other guests wouldn't mind. They've been dying for some fresh company. Apologies, where are my manners? May I introduce you to my distinguished guests, Dinah Cobb, Benjamin Cobb, and Jennifer Mallet. Don't be afraid. They don't
3: bite..
0: <laughs> hey everybody, Dinah here. For anyone who may be feeling a little lost or maybe just a tad confused at this point, do not fear this very special episode of The Lamppost in the Woods is hosted by our very own Evan Zenobia. We hope you enjoy Evan's Choice. As a historian, I have learned that, in fact, not everyone who reaches back into history can survive it. And it is not only reaching back that endangers us. Sometimes history itself reaches inexorably forward for us with its shadowy claws.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of The Lamp Post in the Woods. The historian by Elizabeth Costova. I am super excited about this episode. Um, It's kind of been uh, a book that I've been looking forward to for like, I don't know, since we planned season two like a year ago. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but it has been really exciting to get your perspective and your reaction to something that is so outside of, I think, what you guys have felt comfortable uh, reading. And I just... It's been so much to look forward to for me. Um, so thank you. Thank you for coming to this very special episode for me. I appreciate it. The historian interweaves the story of a young woman plunged into a labyrinth where the secrets of her family's past connect to an inconceivable evil in the dark history and folklore of Vlad Tepesh, a 15th century prince of Wallachia known as Vlad the Impaler. And his fictional equivalent... Count Dracula. Born in America, Elizabeth Kostova and her family spent her formative years in Slovenia, alongside her father, professor at a Slovenian university. There, Kostova was taught the stories of Dracula and adjacent folklore that permeated the surrounding region. Well-read and well-traveled across Eastern Europe, Kostova fell in love with the rich cultures and deep history of the oldest cities, serving as the inspiration for her debut novel and the subject of our podcast tonight the historian so everybody this was a monster to tackle um this is a very long book and so we've had a lot of long books we've had a lot of really intense stories and i don't know but you for you guys but was was this any of your first foray into the monster genre
3: no, not for me. yeah, me neither. I've I read Dracula. i would read Dracula before, which I'm really shocking okay. myself. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not really my genre, but uh, Dracula is a pretty that I, it actually it actually kind of blew my mind in, in, in how much I liked it. So I was really looking forward to reading this one. I've read Dracula
0: as well, and then I don't know if we're considering Frankenstein as part of monst- the monster genre. That's and true. I've read, read, no, that no. yeah. okay, so right, read that one. Yeah, so Frankenstein, and if we're talking just vampires. I can't (laughs) believe I'm even admitting this But Way back in the day before it was cool Before there were movies about it I did read Twilight It was never
3: cool It was never cool
0: Could I tell you much of anything About it? No but I think I read them in high school One of my friends was like You need to read Twilight and like handed me the stack Of like the three or four of them And I was like oh okay I guess I have to read them So I read them but But yeah
3: I don't know if
1: Barry's only really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've only read Frankenstein. So, and like, that okay. was 14 yeah. years ago. Yeah.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys uh, trying the Dracula path, because I think that sets, sets this book up really nicely, um, just because it is a modern representation of that book. Um, right. And so there's a lot, there's a lot here. There's a lot with this book it is i don't know about your versions but it's like 600 plus pages depending on the version that you have um it is a monster of a book um and it's something that i think i f- kind of fell in love with a long time ago and uh just one of the things that like kicks off this story is like the discovery of um a book a book with like a dragon, and it's this book without anything written in it, and it's what sets all of these journeys off throughout throughout the historian through its various timelines that it's running. And I feel like this book just like appeared to me at an airport bookstore at one point. So there's that kind of fun little connection for me. Um,
0: and
2: I, so I, I really now I will say this. I in rereading this now. I do have my issues. So we'll we'll get to it.
1: (laughs) So Evan, my question then is the first time you picked this up and you picked it up at an airport, you must've been flying pretty far.
2: (laughs) Oh, I did not. Yeah. I definitely did not get through it in a single, in a single (laughs) flight or sitting or it was like, I think for all of us, like we, we can read a lot. Like I think we can, we can handle like 150 pages, 200 pages in a day, probably pretty easily. But (laughs) um this thing's a monster. Yeah, it for and, sure. Is. Uh, I don't know. Yeah,
3: I don't if know. we're gonna, if, if we're gonna start out right here, let's just go for it. We have a yeah. whole discussion <laughs> last time about Crime and Punishment. How there's we did. too much going on. There's too many storylines and all there. I just felt the same way with, with this book. There were some parts I really liked that really yeah. like, like really pulled me into the moment. But then I felt like every time I really got into it, like then we would go off to another European city and we would have lots of pages about the food and the trees and the building and the architecture. I just felt like it was it, it, like, this is one of the longest books i ever read, like not page length, but just like how long it seemed to go. It, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, so I, I feel like this book could have been done in like half the time, but maybe the length is part of like the, you can talk about this more as we get into it, but like the whole idea of history and the historian, perhaps the length plays into that. Um, but I do feel like I, I feel like just in comparison to Dracula, I felt like Dracula is it's a long book too, but I felt like it streamlined things a lot more um, than this one. So I really had to push to get it. I'm glad I did, um, but it, it was a it was a slog there for a while. <laughs> and for
2: yeah. context, I guess for for listeners, yeah. like it's it's a deal where <laughs> this runs like three simultaneous storylines
3: yeah. that are all yeah. set
2: like. Within each other's. The main storyline is, like, in in the 70s. And then the one prior is probably, what, 20 or 30 years prior to that. And then the other one is another 20 or 30 years prior. Mm -hmm. And it is, um... Did it confuse anyone? Because there were a couple times even rereading. I was like, okay, I am... I listened to the audiobook with the voice acting. And it helped a lot because I knew Mm -hmm. people's voices. But Mm -hmm. I, I... I imagine some other people got lost in this in, a little bit.
1: In the beginning it did a little bit until I stylistically understood what she was doing just because the narrator is speaking in first person and then it jumps to her father's storyline and yeah. he also is speaking in first person so a couple times I got a little thrown up. But I pretty much read this in one sitting which I would never recommend to anybody. I just... <laughs> <laughs> The last month has been crazy for me. It's been a crazy month, and I just kept putting this off, and I was like, oh, you know what? I have a weekend. I'll read it over the weekend. (laughs) And... Yeah, basically had 24 hours to read this book. So I did it for the podcast, finished it two hours ago. Woo, that's dedication <laughs> right there. That's dedication. I was up until 1 a.m., and I am not a night person. So mm-hmm. I literally felt like I was in high school again, reading for AP Literature. Like, as a cramming exam, like, the something. night before. Yeah,
3: literally Absolutely. cramming. <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> like funny. literally, point, Yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. Point, church-
3: huh. Sorry, go ahead, Jen.
1: I was just going to say it was funny because after church yesterday, people were like, all right, we're going to go eat. And I'm like, yeah, I have to go home. And they're like, why? And I said, I, got, I have to go home and read like 300, 400 pages. Yeah. And I just said it casually. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, it's fine. It's, what, like, we yeah. it's what we do. It's what we do here funny. at Lamp Post in the Woods. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wish there was an abridged version of this, which I'm sure we'll talk more about this. Anyways, what are you saying sure. then?
3: Oh, at some at some point some point we're going to have to have a conversation about about how length relates to uh like like some of the greatest works. It seems like I, I mentioned this kind of last time with Dostoevsky on Crime and Punishment. It seem I think I did. It seems like it some of these works it takes a lot of pages to say what these authors are trying to say sometimes. What the end is yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like the end. So Lord of the Rings has to be. If Lord of the Rings was was a short book, it never would have got off the way it was. It has to be that long. Um, Crown punishment, uh, debatable whether or not it has to be that long. Um, books <laughs> like Don Quixote, I felt like had to be that long to be what they are. But then, but then you get books like A Christmas Carol, just short, succinct, yeah. no, not a single word wasted, and it's perfect. You know. So I I don't know if that affects. Yeah. Again, I'm it's pulling me back into this whole like this historian thing. Maybe there's a relationship there, but does length do like really great books have to be this long? Do they take this long to say them, say what people are trying to say?
2: I will say this with this book, I feel like it's really well, um, researched, and so so. I for sure,
3: yeah,
2: I think it ties into the author. Like, we we talked about Mm -hmm. this a little bit, like, this very much in looking at her history and backstory like it feels like she's just writing herself into the story um yeah and so we we talked about well, fair the, enough. That's, that's a nameless narrator that's what
1: authors narrator. do, what authors yeah. do. Yeah.
2: absolutely absolutely and so obviously the narrator throughout is is a nameless female protagonist we don't know who it is i think it's clear in looking at her history that it that it is her because yeah. her father, you know, a university professor, historical <laughs> professor in another country. Loved vampires.
0: And I will Love say, I think, I think this is one of the stronger parts of the book. Like, I did enjoy the world of it. I mean, like, I told Benjamin this, like, universities and cafes and Eastern Europe. And it felt like cathedrals and just, like, <laughs> old libraries. I loved all of that. But, mm-hmm. um, so so I think that I thought the setting was great. I loved being in the Eastern European Part of it and the historical part of it all, but I do think that uh, I I found the the jumping back and forth between timelines to be a little disjointing, and that's not. And I've read other books where that happens, and I've read multiple historical fiction and Jen, and I've even read together where it's like it's very clear, but you know, Mm -hmm. it jumps back and forth. Like, is the chapter will have like a heading, or it will say
1: what time it is, what
0: year it is, or time, or it will say like the person who the story is about, or whatever. And then reading it right after Dracula. Dracula essentially does that too, or not necessarily timelines, but it jumps back and forth with narrators. But it's always very yeah. clear with what's going on. And so this, I just felt like I couldn't get a sense of a sense of place. Like at the beginning of every chapter, I had to like pay attention. Okay, who who is speaking? Because it was it was just like my father continued, and then that, that's all you get. That like, oh, it's a new mm-hmm. a new like it's her father's storyline. Um, so that was a, a little uh, disjointed, and like I, I felt like I couldn't each time I picked it up because. Unlike like, Jen, I did not read this in basically one sitting. <laughs> so each time I pick <laughs> Do it up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt not. I didn't have a sense of place. Like, okay, wait, what storyline am I in? Who are we talking yes. to? Um, and that could have just been a me issue. But again, I loved like the setting of it. Like I loved it. Universities, cafes, libraries. I'm,
1: I'm 100% there for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, 100%. I thought it was too detailed with some of it and i know people some people love details but mm-hmm. i was kind of just getting lost in that a little bit where i'm like this is too detailed like who cares i thought what- you would
3: love that part jen
1: <laughs> me B H. maybe she had I, really.
3: <laughs> I thought you would love all the european stuff and like all the all the description of all like the like the place in europe because like your books that you write are kind of like not nearly to that extent, but like yeah. describe like these European cities and areas.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, so if it was too
3: much for you then
1: Well, it's okay. It's funny because I don't think I'm a super detailed author. <laughs> and oh, I I don't I mean, maybe a little bit detailed to kind of paint the world, which I think yeah. she I mean, she paints the world amazingly. You have right. to insert it in sure. there. I just felt like it was additional details, or maybe what it was too it was like conversations that to me seemed unnecessary. Mm-hmm. That was kind of yeah. I'm like okay, and even some of the history, but yeah, that's where I kind of got a little I'm like okay, let's let's power through this. And I think even the even some of the historical stuff because obviously I love history, love, yeah. love, love history, but then I felt like some of the historical timelines or the history that they went to go find and discuss it didn't serve as much to the storyline. Yeah, um, But I think it goes to show is that the author loves history, and I did look it up. It took her 10 years to write this book, wow. and she was editing and researching for 10 years. So if you're dedicating 10 years, you know what? You put all the research you found in that 10 years in a book, right? Yeah, so I think I think that's what, what she does. I, I It was funny when I got to the end of this book. All I thought was, I feel really sorry for the editor of this book because <laughs> that... <laughs> That must have been a lot to work
2: through. I appreciated the little bit where it's like, I think it's really, it's accomplished really well in in the first part. So part one, I think does the balance of like conversation and location really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember that bit where she's talking about like, I'm not going to call it by its normal name. I'm going to call it by its Roman name so that it's not inundated with tourists and things like that. And I thought that was really just like a fun little detail.
1: Clever,
0: but I think once yeah, they introduce sure.
2: that third storyline of
1: yeah, I the mentor like
2: of her father, Professor Rossi, it like it gets it gets to be almost way too much. Like there is just so much going on. Um, you almost need like a header when a movie well, like movie changes location. Well, exactly, and tells that you would have helped at.
0: Mm-hmm, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The beginning of the chapter, the op, that's all it would have taken. But at the beginning, and it made me think of it, because you mentioned something at the beginning of the book, Evan, and the beginning, I feel like, does that much better, because she's like, it'll be her storyline. Then she's like, oh, we sat down to dinner, and my dad started to talk. And then she'll have his piece, and she's feels like it's a little more intentional. But like, she's getting the story in little bits and pieces. Then finally, it's like, I, I don't know she just gave up doing that part, and it just goes flip-flop between the storyline, so I couldn't tell... When he was telling her this. Was it all at one point? Was it broken up or what it was? So it started off great. And I don't know if her intention was to emulate what's going on in Dracula. Because Dracula, again, I think does that extremely well with the the multiple storylines and it told with journals and letters. And it's like that's how she started off, but didn't quite continue on that through the rest of the the novel. But there's this, you know, I was listening to or one of the podcasts, the book podcast that I like to listen to. So about Agatha Christie you know I have to mention Agatha Christie literally every episode and they rank all of her books and they have different you know they rank the characters and they rank the credibility of the plot and they have these different things that they rank and one category that they have is setting and tone so if that's how one of the, the categories that we're ranking this book that would get like 10 out of 10 because the settings are great she does great I think like a with a dreary like creepy tone so that I think is oh, yeah is wonderful so she gets sure. I think top marks in that
1: yeah, I mean, I was definitely creeped out a few times, and I don't know if it's because I was reading Yeah, it things, was, but <laughs> that could it be it. Definitely, <laughs> there was definitely some scenes. I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I, I can remember, I can remember reading the first time I read Dracula. I read it when we were uh, on vacation. We were in uh, Monterey. And we were, we were staying. Was in the fall th- th- rolling in? I, so yes, yeah, so was. So there are parts when I was yeah. reading it at night, when everybody else was asleep, mm-hmm. and I was the only person up. And like it's Monterey, so the windows are open, and there's like these like trees right outside. They're kind of like a little <gasps> bit of wind, so they're kind of moving a little bit. And there's fog, and there's kind of like a cold chill. And so that's when I was reading Dracula's specifically, like those scenes when Jonathan Harker is in the castle and he's trying, yeah. to, which are some of the best scenes I've ever read. In anything, probably they're they're so good, um, and so like that icy chill, that hand that 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 <laughs> comes in. Like I really felt that in Dracula, um, without being like grossed felt out. The hand like, on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times horror stuff like grosses me out, but this mm-hmm. that's why I don't like it a lot. But this was creep without being like that. And there were some scenes in The Historian that really gave me the same. Really, the same feel. One of we were talking about beforehand, which I want to mention now, is the scene where the narrator is on the train, and she wakes up from a sleep and finds another guy in her train compartment, who she can't see because he's holding a newspaper for his face. Now, just now, just um like, forget everything else. Like the fact that you fall asleep in a train compartment, wake up, and there's a stranger there, and it's a guy. Creepy stranger danger already. <laughs> but he's reading a newspaper, and she realizes that. He's not turning the pages, so he's like he's like listen, so he's like listening to her or something, and then it talks about how she's like sitting there waiting, and her heart's beating, and then the guy then like he speaks from behind the the newspaper and asks her where her father is, and she just loses it and like runs out, leaves all her stuff, and just just shoots for it, and that was the best scene in I thought in the whole yeah. book. It was creepy. It was so weird. Um, The only thing is, it almost seemed isolated, because then we went back to other stuff that were a different tone, and you never actually find out who that was. Are are we supposed to assume that that was Vlad Dracula?
0: That's what I guess I assumed.
3: Because it it never really comes back and tells you.
2: Yeah, they talk about the the one person that's like continually following her is that um is like that the librarian, librarian guy. A librarian, yeah, yeah. I assumed it was that character.
3: I just oh. think it was was much more kind of like sniveling and kind of like.
0: Yes, exactly. There wasn't the like same kind of cra- he was
3: more like crazy and weird, like he was the weird, but he wasn't like the, the person behind the newspaper was like in control of the situation. So I feel like oh, that heck. has to be yeah. be Dracula, yeah. right? But but it never really cuts back to it. That's a good point. I thought the other scene I love was when all the Istanbul stuff I, I really liked. But when they go into that guy who they find who's part of that ancient order who they who hunts who they protect the they're the you know what I'm talking about the the ancient uh, society mm-hmm. and they protect uh, Istanbul when they go yeah. into his office and there's all those pictures of Vlad the Impaler, and then there's that one big picture, and just, like, how the, 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 the father, uh, the the, narrator's father is just so creeped out and keeps remembering that room and going back. I thought that was a really good scene, too, because it really took, Mm -hmm. it really took the creep factor. And and not only that, it gets into this idea of uh, the quote we read about history, how history can, like, creep back from the past and draw you back to it, and it was like this guy... Vlad the Impaler, who had been dead for however many years, mm-hmm. um, but his his ghost, as it were, was still like haunting people. And and it's kind of interesting how it. The, I don't know if it's a metaphor if I want to call it whatever, but how it comes up here that like he is still alive. He's this vampire who's still plaguing people four hundred years later. And I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of the central thing about that. Maybe she's trying to say about history is history never sometimes never dies, and it, sometimes it keeps creeping up and creeping up, especially if you don't sure. deal with it. If yeah. it's not put to rest, you don't learn from it. It keeps coming back and creeping forward. And so we have to go back mm-hmm. sometimes and conquer history in the present time. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I was pulling something out of. I thought there was something. She was saying something deeper, right? She yeah. was saying something deep.
1: Yes. Yes. That's, See, true so that's... what I thought the book was all about.
2: Honestly, if we should if we book. stay here, like, what is the. Yeah. If, is that is that what we think the main theme? I know we're all about pulling, like, the the hidden meanings and the the, the deeper story out of it. Is that, is that what everyone else got from this?
3: That's really what I, I I felt there's probably other things you go through. That's what I felt.
1: Yeah. Also, there is a quote in the book that I thought really kind of summed up what Ben just said. And it says, it's my belief that the study of history should be our preparation for understanding the present rather than a, than an escape from it. And I think that's pretty much what is happening throughout these chapters is it's making sense of the present in order for us to move forward we have to take care of our history. We can't just act like it didn't happen and we learn from it, right? That's why we bring history into the lights so that we learn from it, don't make the same mistakes so forth, right? So I think that was kind of part of it and that there there's part of our histories that maybe we're repeating that need to be killed
3: Mm, yeah i I think i think the 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 historical context that she's using this to kind of represent this concept to other than vlad the impaler is the fact that he um he was a european like conqueror and warrior who was fighting the, the, the Turkish Empire and like the, the, these different Muslim countries and stuff like that throughout however many years. And I think she was, it seemed like there was some sort of like, there was, like, there's still some unresolved tension there, perhaps, which I, I don't know a lot about Eastern Europe, uh, like she's talking about that are on those, that are kind of on the fringe of like maybe the Middle East, but there's, there's still more Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. but they had a lot of interaction with, um, uh, Like these different, like the like the Ottoman Empire and these different Muslim empires as they were expanding, and perhaps there was some like unresolved tension between those groups and perhaps in those peoples even today. I mean, it's it's Mm set in the '70s, so I I can't speak to that, but it seemed like that she was using that historical context, and Vlad was kind of a uh, like a signifier of that because he's evil, he's Dracula, he was horrible, he impaled people. But there's there's also this concept that I. She kind of references, and that I looked up when I was doing some basic history stuff, is the idea that in Eastern Europe, Vlad is kind of seen as like a kind of a hero, not really a villain, because he fought the Ottomans and kept pushing mm-hmm. them off for however long and, and resisted them for so long. So there's these two like different worldviews and different viewpoints kind of centered around this character in this historical context that maybe perhaps hasn't been resolved yet. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the central the central history that i think she's using to say look we don't resolve these history these things in history they can creep back up into the present and affect us in the present
2: oh, that's really good
3: true notice yeah
0: i i was struck and i don't i don't think i've completely unpacked all this but um towards the end of the book when dracula or vlad vlad dracula vlad Tepis, whatever you want to call him um, when he's having that discussion with Ross Rossi like his come join join forces with me come to the dark side basically his speech and he has he says something and I won't read all of the code, but it just like this is what struck me so I, I want to get your thoughts on it he says history ha-, this is Dracula talk history has taught us that the nature of man is evil sublimely so good is not perfectible but evil is why should you not use your great mind in service of what is perfectible And it goes on to ask him to join forces with him of his own accord. And he says, There is no purity like the purity of the sufferings of history. You will have what every historian wants. History will be reality to you. We will wash our minds clean with blood.
2: (laughs) It's really good.
0: (laughs) It's so, like, creepy and horrible. But that, that idea, first of all, that, like, good isn't perfectible, but evil is. And it just brought to my mind that throughout history... Mankind has found different ways to hurt other people and ways to make mm-hmm. other people suffer. If you look at the atrocities that happen in war, just, you know, torture or whatever, people have found ways to, 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 to be evil and ways to make other human beings suffer. So in some ways, it seems like it is. Like, people keep trying to perfect it, perfecting the art of being evil. What are ways that we can be more evil? What are ways that we can make humanity suffer more? What are ways that we can bring suffering upon the... Um, the you know the what are ways we can be suffering upon humanity or upon our fellow fellow brothers and sisters, and so that part just really got to to so like the nature of of evil really. And Dracula was yeah. someone who's alive hundreds of years ago, but here he is in the present. I say the present, but like in the, you know the seventies there, and people are still trying to be evil, and he's still trying to perfect being evil.
2: And it feels a little like the serpent and Eve as well, mm. where it's like oh, like you can you can have everything you want you can have all the knowledge you can live out this eternity like take it like you it's right here you're ready you can you can have it everything you want mm-hmm. right here and so i think that's a really cool and I'm, I'm curious too um so in talking a little bit more about the the themes of this i am curious if like the relationship that she wrote like in that again in, in part one and part two you kind of see that she's div- she's finally developing a relationship with her father and i'm curious if that's like i'd be curious to see what kind of relationship she actually had with her father um Mm -hmm. and if this was like the prototypical like what she imagined a a good father would be or if she had a good father and it was kind of like a representation of that within the within the book as well you
0: mean like the author versus the narrator
2: correct yeah I, i like like, maybe, maybe the author's father wasn't present, and so she's like, oh, I'm going to write, like, like, I'm writing this story about, like, us going on an adventure together or something. Yeah. Um, it's true.
3: I never thought of Well, her of
0: dedication, she says, for my father who first told me some of these stories. So that okay. leads me to believe that may- maybe it was more she's paying homage to her dad and...
2: I think you're right.
0: ...her history with him. But this is just a random, okay... Can we talk about the end? I don't think this is hopefully not a okay time to talk about the end of the book, but yes, where she's she giving almost like the or, epilogue. What 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 would you say, Jen? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. The epilogue. Um, I can't what you're specifically sp- in asking? the epilogue, but but where she's she's like tying up all the loose pieces. I and she just mentions like offhandly that her dad died, like basically what's, like stepping on a landmine or something like that. Yeah, I. <laughs> that, part. and I was like, "What?" <laughs> she just found her fa- her family just together, and
1: she- it was just like a sentence, like, "Oh, my dad, who yeah. actually died." I was like, "What?" Like he sir, he survived Dracula, but died in a landline.
3: <laughs> but yeah, it, I don't like, think it was immediately though. I think there was some time. It, it was, was
1: ten years. It. But it was yeah, only ten know. years. Like
3: he walked out of the crypt and stepped on know, a landmine.
1: <laughs> okay, so she was in a sentence. <laughs> like she was, she was still young and yeah. died. Okay, and this is this is how I felt. I don't know if you guys felt this way. I could have done without the epilogue. I think it should have just ended without the epilogue.
0: Yeah, and, absolutely. Because I was
1: I was disappointed with the epilogue. Like it wrapped up perfectly, and you're imagining that they're going to spend the next forty years together, and everything's going to be great. And then it seems like no one that was in the entire story is even in her life in that little epilogue in the last few uh-huh. pages.
3: Yeah. I kind I, I kind of saw that as mm-hmm. poetic, and that works for me better um, because I, I thought mm-hmm. I I thought like especially her father and her because mo- it, it seems like her mother didn't survive much longer either. Uh, but it seemed There's like just nothing about her. It, it. It seemed like their purpose, not in the story, but it's like almost their purpose was to finish this uh, this like four hundred year crusade against dracula and and with the daughter and everything but like she's the one who kind of eventually does it but her father and her mother finally achieve this thing they kill dracula they defeat him they've had the daughter so they've passed on who they are into her and so it's like their story was kind of complete so the fact that they they kind of had 10 good years and then they're they're both gone and I mean he went instantly right He stepped on a landmine boom no pain he went instantly I Hmm. think the mom had like a later death, something like that but it, it that kind of works for me. And now she's this historian looking back almost because she says at the very beginning of the book, she says something like I have never been in any dangerous situations again or something like that other than, than this time. So it's almost like she's looking back on this like semi idealized like time in her life where she had, yeah. she was with her father and her mother and they went through this journey and they kind of figured And now she, she's a professor doing this normal life, but she's looking back on this time. So in a poetic sense, it kind of worked for me. I also thought, well, landmine—that's pretty, ooh. but uh, it kind of worked for me. Like it, it wrapped up, like everything was wrapped up and tied up, and like kind of, kind of how, kind of how Frodo goes to the—he leaves at the end. He doesn't stay and have a nice life with Sam and everybody. He leaves and goes across the sea. It's like he wrapped up. His journey was done. Now it's time for him to go. That's kind of how I saw it. But a landmine, like oh, no. I, yeah, that's just... pretty. But it, but it was also a landmine, yeah. right?
2: It
0: was.
3: But but that fits for me. Because he's this like diplomat who's going to all these Eastern European countries, former communist bloc countries. And you know, the fact yeah. that he stepped on a landmine like that that seemed yeah. at least semi plausible. That and that that was kind of in the spirit of what he was doing. He died trying to bring peace.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, just he had been killed by a landmine in Sarajevo more than ten years before, working to mediate Europe's worst conflagration. Conflagration <laughs> in decades. She literally just dropped about... a
1: landmine on us. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, I felt uh, like it. I, I, it's a just very
1: fast and just. <laughs> it,
3: it, but it's also <laughs> unique. If you know anything about kind of like the, or you know, not anything, but if you know a little bit more about like Eastern European, like the former communists, all that stuff. Sarajevo was a really important city. For some reason that like that. It's, like that like escapes me but it's in like ukraine or poland or something and it was really it's like a really important part where like people were going and trying to bring peace and all that stuff yeah Um, i'm trying to remember what the exact details was so that all that capital of bosnia yeah and there was i I can't remember exactly what the significance is but but all that kind of fit together for me okay i don't know yeah Yeah, again a land a landmine sure that's like that's (laughs) like you know goofy on well, but, some level but it works for me
0: well, well yes I mean to the point about like stories when they need to end like I I don't always love it like, when it comes to great works of fiction great novels I don't always like sequels like I don't think anyone needs to write a sequel to Pride and Prejudice Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. doesn't need a sequel I'm sorry Star Wars did not need a sequel we did not need episode 7, 8, and 9 the story was complete with episode 6 it's like you it's almost like you're taking away not to go yeah. on a big tangent, but it's like when the story's done, we need to be okay with letting the story end when it's supposed yeah. to end, you know. So maybe that was her way of doing that. Like maybe if they would have been alive longer, maybe other problems would have happened or whatever. I don't know. So, so fair point, Benjamin. I I feel a little bit better about the ending then now than I did before.
3: <laughs> oh, well, I, but but sorry, go ahead, Evan. I, I just oh, I was just saying. I think it. I think
2: it wraps. Like it's a book that, for all of its shortcomings throughout it. Lands relatively well, and I feel like you end it and you go, yeah, like you kind of you kind of breeze past some of the stuff that goes hard to trudge through. Um, right. In the same way that we talked about *Crime and Punishment* in the last in the last episode, like you get to the end of it, and the 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 main story, the thing that drove it along outside of all of the other conversations that didn't matter or side stories or side characters that didn't really have a whole lot of impact the main story ends well and you're happy with the conclusion in the same way i think it's a satisfying conclusion um where you don't remember all the bad stuff along the way
0: (laughs) that's true like i mean good versus evil is always like i'm always going to be down for a good versus evil
3: yeah let me talk about the climax real quick though because I felt I was super unsatisfied with the climax. Like, yes, how they finally get Dracula. Yeah, agreed. Like, yes, I felt like it was building and building and so long, and then they—it's kind of like there's like a ceremony going on. They go down to a crypt, and I'm imagining like really close, confined, and he's just there. And then, and then she can talk to him like in her mind for some reason. And then yep. he just gets shot with a silver bullet and he's done. Like I felt like that was a very unhorror ending to like a really creepy horror movie. And it was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. We figured him out and like we got him. Like I was expecting mm-hmm. something more grand and dramatic and something more horrible. It uh, felt a bit anticlimactic. Like, in it felt ending. like
1: the old it kind of like felt like the old Twilight movie or the Twilight series, like those kind of episodes where it's just very like
3: <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> I don't know, like you know, um, I never, not. I never read or watched. You never watched. Okay, so basically, it's just the production level. Like obviously, Twilight Zone. Twilight,
0: Twilight, zone, not, oh, sorry, not, Twilight, Twilight
1: zone, zone. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. zone. Sorry, yes, two
2: yes, very yes, different things. I oh, Twilight oh, sorry, Zone. Yes, two <laughs> <Too> very no, <laughs> no. Twilight Zone. Got it.
1: Yeah. I was up till one a.m. So maybe I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> no, Twilight Zone. a little. My sentences are a little all over the place. Yes, the Twilight Zone, kind of like that. Where you're like. Like it's almost comical in a way, because you're like, wait, what? That's how that's how it yeah, happens. Like it just didn't seem, I don't know, as intense as some of those other scenes. Yeah,
3: I was expecting a lot more existential horror at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? same. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like I was feeling. I was think there was gonna be more. There was gonna be a more like HP Lovecraft type ending to this. Where there's some real like, I don't know. What did you think about the ending? End that? Do you think that works? No, did I think we judging it too harshly. No, I think you're. I think you're right
2: because well, so like the style in general, right? The entire story is is like this adventure esque, like noir style book that is very cloak and dagger. It's you know men in dark suits and hiding behind newspapers and and so you're building up like this serious tension. And I think the problem is if this had been Something that tension had been built up over two hundred pages, it might be something that you're okay with in its execution. Mm. But we've been building tension to this for climax time. for hundreds of pages, yeah, and setting up this character for I, I don't know. It, he's he's. I mean, again, if he's the guy behind the newspaper, right? Like you expect him to be this force, right? That they have to contend with yeah, in I this th- unusual place. And it's I thought it's just I thought we were going to find
3: out that like. That they all knew him or something. He was a character in the story or something. Like, oh that oh my been gosh, good. that's Dracula, you know. Yeah, but but it no. wasn't. He was just he was just Dracula. Like now, I do sp- know the the implication is that they do not
2: kill him though. So oh, is it
3: yeah. what?
2: So if you Wait, if what? you reread the ending, the implication. <laughs> oh, you're in, right it,
3: that he somehow survived. There was a something. Some, in there. Some, you're right.
2: but she discovers that book again at the end. Oh, that's true. The book with the blank pages. So basically the, oh, it, that, it's it's it, kills it for that, me more than i forgot about that yeah i that. Thought
0: that would kill a lot of it it it's implies like it basically that,
2: the, yeah they, but they think like you know? was too easy almost and they mm, thought yeah. wow that's too easy but it actually was too easy and they didn't actually kill i i, I don't know i think mm. and, uh, oh, man dracula i feel like is meant to be this immortal unkillable force and so but i agree I, it's a little it's a little limp it's a little limp as you come to a close yeah. there at the end. So...
1: I will say, so, I think... Go ahead, I was going to say, so we read 650 pages for them not to kill the villain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling really so disappointed right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's
2: not... <laughs> yeah, and that's another reason, like, the, the, like, epilogue, that final portion, it's just, it feels, uh, it feels very unneeded. Like, you're much better off with these kind of books to leave something open to the potential. Yeah. Or at least make, you know, the, the Dracula's death something that's questionable. He falls into a, you know, someplace and they don't ever see him again. You know what I mean? But that's why this epilogue, it feels really, that's what I'm saying. I, I had issues on the second now that I've gone through this book again, um, because so much of it seemed in the same way that I, and this is where I get to eat crow and be like, okay, well I, the same things I didn't like about crime and punishment. I now
1: <laughs> don't like about this book. <laughs> okay. Don't, so. don't compare Evan. Don't compare. <clears> throat> one throat> of your favorites to crime and punishment. Don't do that to yourself. Okay. I,
2: I understand. Yeah, I understand I, but if yeah, you, had, like, you, No are not going to
3: compare away. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You remove the blood-colored glasses, um, and, uh, glasses. (laughs) I don't know, it's just, it's like some of, a lot of it is inconsequential, and, (laughs) (laughs) like, to the, even to the point where, like, I love the historical stuff, I love the research stuff, and they have whole portions of, like, manuscripts and documents in there that are just, it's just filler, like, she researched it and felt like it fit in there, but it is, it is filler. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I like I like where those parts were like oh yeah so she sat down and read a letter and like it's like a 10 page letter like who wrote like a yeah. 10 page letter like actual, <laughs> right. like hey, I'm gonna mail this away it's gonna cost me like hundred dollars <laughs> to mail it. it's so heavy
1: especially during that
0: time well for sure one of my favorite parts and I think yeah. and I think one of the most compelling parts is rossi and um Helen's mom I think her name's Ava I think Ava's her no no Ava's her aunt I can't, I, can't I don't know if her mom gets they do that a lot in this People don't get well no, Helen's her name, but I can't I dunno if that's her mom's name too. Ava I think is the aunt, but I'm um, her mom. Oh, okay. Um, but I loved their how you're getting like her mom's story told and then you get like Rossi's point of view with the letters. I really like their love story, like their little romance, I feel like we don't get much of it, but I feel like that was more compelling than Paul and um uh, the narrator's mom. I feel it was more Helen, Paul and Helen, I feel it was much more compelling them yeah. than them. And the narrator and Barley, whatever their little, you know, puppy love thing was, I thought that it was, it was whatever, you know, but I thought Rossi and Helen's mom, that was the most compelling part. And to me, that was the saddest part where he dies, he just gets to see Helen, he remembers who she is, or, you know, um, that he has a daughter or whatever. And then he just dies, and they basically have to kill him. To me, that was the most, like, uh, (laughs) ugh... But it's hard because I guess it reminds me a little bit, if we're comparing to Dracula, what they have to do. So, spoilers, I guess, for Dracula, if they haven't read Dracula, but <laughs> where they have to do that to Lucy Westenra? Where, like, this is a person that they all loved, but now she's basically become a vampire, so they have to, like, kill her to save her, basically, and, like, the turmoil. So, to me, that was the emotional, like, the most, like, the climate, like emotional climactic part. Like, that really got like, got to me and pulled up my streams yeah. the most Was that It needed part. more
2: of that, is what it needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the stakes were not high enough in some of these parts. Like, again, going, traveling all this way to kill, to kill Dracula, and, like, you don't really lose anybody. Like, I, I don't yeah. know, it huh. just, it, it feels like there's, the stakes should have been higher throughout this book, once you get to approach that climax
3: for sure remind remind me of something real quick so when rossi leaves europe he like forgets totally about the girl his uh, that the uh the girl he has that he that he has a kid with
1: yes yeah that
3: whole part why does he forget again
1: he drinks a tea or something called amnesia do we buy yeah, that, that? that 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 was the i, I don't buy that, that at was all so,
3: that was so lame like that was that was like a plot <laughs> device that made no <laughs> like, sense What? so was was somebody trying to cause him to have oh. amnesia or he just happened to drink some alcohol that really made him forget like three weeks and like a like a like this maybe, beautiful maybe? passionate love he had hey that didn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I didn't quite like. It was, yeah, uh, I didn't love that part. I, to me, it would make more sense if he had some type of accident where, in his yeah. brain, he couldn't remember anything previous in his life from that moment forward. Or, or you if know?
3: Dracula had like made him to made him. Yeah, Dracula like some... made
1: him forget, or made him drink the yeah. drink amnesia or whatever. But because yeah. what was the reason for him not to want them to not come back? Would it be
0: because he was going to come back and try? Because clearly he didn't stop hunting Dracula.
3: Right? Yeah. Well kind of. That's another that yeah. was another thing. Like that they really give Dracula like some real godlike powers in this thing. Yeah. Like he can <laughs> yeah people's they minds. Like that part where her father's magic you can magically make food appear on the table. <laughs> yeah, her father <laughs> her father's sitting dead? her father's yeah. sitting in his office studying Dracula and he senses Dracula outside, but the way he like Defeats him and sends him away. It's like he doesn't think about him. And he just focuses on his work and like he uses like positive willpower to. Keep him like I didn't get some of that. I don't know. Stuff. Like they really make Dracula into this almost like psychiatric, like like psychoma- psychomatic character. Or, I don't know. Like whereas when you read Dracula, in Dracula he has some the 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 monster has like some. Some very clear, specific boundaries and weaknesses that yeah. he can't break, and that's how they defeat him. They yes. they have to outsmart him with all this stuff, which, yeah. which didn't necessarily seem it didn't, like like so it did wanna... That's what happened, like, like in the historian, when like he fe- had those right. Well, number one, it feels
0: like the things in Dracula, like the garlic and the crucifix and all that, it doesn't feel like they play up that part enough. Like, I'm sorry author when you're hunting the dress and you're going on all that stuff in your by or why don't you have a crucifix on your neck don't why don't you have garlic in your pockets all that but do we? <laughs> can we talk about the symbolism just in general of the crucifix being like the thing that like and again it's played yeah. more in dracula than in historian but like they hold it up and it's like he cowers yeah like it's yeah it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy if you want you could you could make the religious symbolism go pretty um pretty strong and pretty long um there but i just feel like they don't play up that like tr- uh vampire lore if you will that like all of us know from reading dracula it's like they don't play that up enough unless they're trying to say that, hey that that's all just fiction and like this is the real deal you know
2: i think there's a lot of that because what's funny is if you if you go and read some reviews like people people that read this are like oh like I didn't realize this was fiction until I was so many pages oh, in. That makes me laugh.
3: Yeah, I'm <laughs> oh dead my. serious. And it's hilarious. It, it is a bit bleeding. It's called The Historian, and then it's about like, yeah. vampires. Like, for a while, I was like, what's this book about? Yeah, why <laughs> is it? No, yeah. I, I, you guys had kind of told me it was like a Dracula book, yeah. like, I would like, <laughs> it with taking them off.
1: I mean, I will say I went into the book into this book. Literally, the only thing I knew about it is that Evan said it was creepy. That's all. I had no knowledge. I didn't look up what it was about because I wanted to go in head dive, having no idea what this was about. What I didn't know what genre it was, mm-hmm. which was kind of like interesting picking it up and even being like, "What is this about? What's going on?" And I was so tempted. I like wanted to look up like more of the context <laughs> before I sat down because I'm like, where is this going? Like, I just felt yeah. like I went in blind, almost like going and watching a movie of no idea what you're going to go see. And yeah. just kind of reading and reading and you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is an so, interesting story. Let me
2: ask you, when you, that first scene that scene when Rossi is like talking about being in that office looking at those maps and mm-hmm. you get the reveal of the guy pulling his collar down and like showing yeah. his neck in the moonlight, mm-hmm. like let me, obviously, like, that's a good, do you feel like it was too early? Because even going through this again, I was like, wow, they, like, showed their hand really early in this book. I feel like you could have drug it along mm. for a couple more chapters before revealing, like, oh, this is a vampire thing.
3: It's true.
1: Yeah, you know what, I, really I really do really to hide it. Yeah. I think it could have been... <clears throat> A little further down, and I think the payoff would have been better rather than having that up front, and then you have all these pages, right? Yeah, like considering the book is so
0: long anyway, yeah. because it's so
1: long, so might as well yeah. have that a little later on. But yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that, Evan.
2: Because I think again, talking with with you guys, it's you really are like, oh, there's there's too much storyline, like we could condense this doing a bridge version. Like I really do think, and now uh, this book, I feel like would be so hard to, uh, to a bridge. Yeah. But if she had written it with just two perspectives and maybe written the first half as like pure historical fiction, and then did a twist to just lead off part two, I feel like this book would be so much more like, I don't know. It'd be really, really compelling in that way. But again, that's why it's like, Mm -hmm. she tried to change too much from the dracula story and there's a reason dracula is like the classic
3: i guess yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: i think you also about... have
3: to give sorry go, go ahead Benjamin. no you go you right i think you have to also keep in mind that she's writing versus when a stoker wrote dracula when stoker wrote dracula from what i understand vampires were like a kind of a folk legend in a couple places, but it was it wasn't until he wrote Dracula that they became like a mainstream pop culture like yes. like monster type thing. And then since then we've had a billion vampire stories and and all these everybody has like outlined what vampires are collectively like as a, mm-hmm. as, as a, as a culture. Stoker right. didn't have that. His was a brand new thing where she's mm-hmm. writing this with like almost centuries of vampire lore and vampire books built up on it. So I mm-hmm. think there's also a sense where it's like... Because there's some things I was expecting the vampires to do and them to be where it's not it's not necessarily how she wrote it. And I guess that's part of... And I was thinking that maybe that's partly like our bias because we know... Everybody knows vampires.
2: Mm-hmm. Versus...
3: uh, And so maybe that's why some of these yeah. aspects of it were maybe a little bit like... Eh. Whereas when Stoker wrote Dracula... It was brand new, like totally. Like I, I want to, I would love to read Dracula, having known nothing about vampires, and read it. Like, what is this? Mm. This <laughs> is the creepiest. Yeah. Movie? Like, what? Super it's not creepy. sci-fi. It's not mm. fantasy. It's not mm-hmm. it, like it really. Like you can see how it really was like revolutionary at its time. I'd love to yeah, be able yeah, to read it with yeah. how all the vampire lore. like him. And I don't know tons about vampires but I just, what everybody else does, you know. Um, but it feels like you pick well, up, up a historical
2: fiction piece and then you stumble into like this accidental monster monster True. flick. And I love well, that.
3: That, that. That was going to be my question. Talking, yeah, you're you're with, what, with, what... with Dracula or the historian?
2: The Dracula. With okay. Dracula.
0: What genre do we think this book is? Because that was my question I wanted to, to pitch to you guys and we're are all dancing around it. But is it historical fiction? Would we call it? More of
3: no. a
1: fantasy. No, is
3: fantasy. A, what is it? I think absolutely fantasy. The historian or Dracula? The historian. The historian. Well, I think you have to ask, with this book, it, Dracula is definitely like a an, like an intertext for this story to understand this story. Like, I, I don't think if if you haven't read Dracula, I feel like it would be harder to get s- really to grasp some of the stuff that's going on. Here. So I would say, like, like Dracula today is a horror book no, it's a horror book but at its time like what was it? So I'm thinking like the historian it has to nominally be on some level it has to be quote unquote horror as a genre yeah. but it definitely is not like a, it's not Stephen King you know it's not like like right. straight mainline. I would I think it's probably personally I think it's more historical fiction than anything else because it really, really? takes a his, it takes a historical figure Obviously it's way like so there's some historical fiction that's really close to history, then there's historical fiction that takes yeah. it a lot farther. I it's think definitely the history it is farther. not
1: accurate. You know what I mean? Like no, but, but there's, there's,
3: there's a, lot of the history that's made up. There is but, there is but true. There's a lot too. of accurate history and it's about yeah, a character. Is. It's like a it is it is a it is a fictional version of a real character. Right. To some level. Although, again, it takes it really far. So,
1: But it does take the history. Like, that's why I think that's where the fantasy element comes in. Because Mm -hmm. the thing is with historical fiction is you have to be, like, 100% accurate with your history in order for it to even, like, a lot of the times with historical fiction, for it to be, like, believable, for the settings to be believable. Whereas with this, it does take, like, it's historical. It's based off of history. But then it is also, a lot of it is fantasized history.
0: Yeah.
3: So,
1: like, the history that you're coming across, like, not all of it is true. Like, that wouldn't be in a history book, you know? So, like, there's now, give an Give me an element. example of
3: historical fiction, then, because I probably don't read a lot of that. Like, classic mainline historical fiction.
1: Dinah, help me out. Well, there's, I mean, oh, there's I a can... lot of... I'm just thinking a lot of i mean a lot of historical fiction obviously that i read is centered around world war one world war two yeah so for sure. all the events that are happening mm-hmm. everything has to be accurate like down to everything that's happening around them the battles like everything right is accurate that yeah, or I else, say, yeah you look story, at it a- your story is gonna be untrue like if, if your history is inaccurate and i know as a like author if I come across something that is inaccurate historically in a book I then lose complete credibility in the rest of the novel sure because I'm like that's not true or that wouldn't happen in that time period even like down to like verbiage that people use like they wouldn't talk like that in this time period that sort of thing but that's getting nitty-gritty but I think with this is like with the history like some of it because I'm like oh this is a historical fiction book so the history is going to be accurate. And then there were some things I'm like, wait, this didn't happen in history. Like, I was like look, Googling yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that that plague didn't happen in 15. 15- For example, there's a plague that's mentioned in 1517. That didn't actually happen. If mm-hmm. you like look at it. Um, because I oh, okay. was curious by that. So like, I, I, you know, you're reading The Historian. And there's a plague that happened in 1517. And she's talking about it. And typically in historical fiction, you would set it in that time around like a real plague, but she made up right. that, that plague. Mm.
3: Does that make sense? It does.
1: That's where I think there's
0: like yeah, a fantasy. I'm just, of-
3: I'm just skeptical to the, my skepticism is the level that most, that historical fiction books are hundred percent accurate and yet still fiction, but I don't read historical fiction of this genre. So what I think is definitely <laughs> not, like the mainstream yeah. of the doctrine. My, my my problem with yeah. calling this book fantasy is, I don't think when people write stories about things that can't happen in real life and they just automatically call it fantasy. I don't think that's, I don't think that's accurate because fantasy is a very specific genre of like mm. books that like basically there's Lord of the Rings and then there's fantasy, But um, mm. you can get into different sort of things like that. So when people say this is a fantasy book, it's stuff that didn't happen, and it's stuff that's not real. But I don't know if it's like. "Quote unquote fantasy."
2: Like so the question horror? then: Do we think you all go to like
3: stories are always fantasy? Like yeah, like right know, on, it's really like the, fantasy? the
2: man in the high castle. I think that's a really good representation because it's alternative history.
3: Mm, yeah, and so, so there it gets curious. into science fiction and stuff, and like
2: right, and it's something where it's like, oh, what if what if this occurred? And so I, I feel like a lot of a lot of the book is grounded, but I agree there's certain things that were like. Well, why, why did you have to invent this thing that happened in history to make this storyline work? It kind yeah. of felt it, it felt a little egregious.
1: Do you guys uh, want to know what? <laughs> do you guys want to know what Wikipedia says the historian is as a genre? Yeah, yeah tell us. Uh, according to Wikipedia, our good, uh, good source <laughs> of information. The historian has been described as a combination of genres, including gothic novel, adventure novel, detective fiction, travelogue, postmodern historical novel, epistolary epic, and historical thriller. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes.
0: It definitely has, I mean, gothic elements, if you think of, like, gothic yeah. b- mm-hmm. books. I mean, that's probably what Dracula, w- one of the things that it's considered, mm-hmm. but I think it does mm-hmm. have the...
3: Yeah. Dracula's gothic, gothic, gothic over- horror. And,
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: right. Which I understand. I question about Dracula, the mm, book Dracula. Yeah, it definitely doesn't read like a mainstream horror not horror novel. It's gothic I, in in like tone and feel and like trappings, but just to call it a gothic novel, I guess I don't know. We call it that now. I mean, I don't know during That's that what I'm saying. time. We yeah. call it that now. During that time, it was it was none of those things. It was right. a whole new thing. <laughs> so I don't mm-hmm. know if the historian is of high enough quality for us to say it's a new genre or its own genre, but it does have a level of, of thing where it's like, it, it it's hard to, I think whatever it is has to have historical in the, in the description, because that's, that's the main, like the, the, the focus of the story is the history. Like there's, cause there's, there's not enough vampire in it, in my opinion, for it to be like, for it to that be the most thing. In my yeah. opinion, the his the historical aspects are, pr- are probably like the center uh, whether or not they're mm-hmm. real or true, that's, like, the central thing.
1: And that's I'm why talking. I think it's fantasy, because the history's not real. Yeah,
0: that, yeah like That's where of, I'm there's struggling.
3: There's tons of stories but with, like, with, like, fake history, and we don't call it fantasy just because it's made up.
0: what does just go with, with adventure.
1: Fantasy. It's adventure. <laughs> adventure. Well, and then Wikipedia goes on... Wikipedia goes on to say the historian is not a horror novel, but rather an eerie tale.
2: Okay, all right.
1: So then we go. <laughs> Evan, why
2: don't you yeah, just go ahead like and that's...
1: rewrite the Wikipedia page?
2: All right. Yes, yeah, you yeah, go and log in. <laughs> seriously, I did used to do that from my um, from my high school computers. As I would go in did. and they, utilize those IP addresses uh, it's a to hobby that rewrite articles. Um, <laughs> that's great. So it's I can fun. probably
1: Evan, during your spike tear days? Is that what you were doing? Uh, yeah,
2: that's correct. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that. I don't that.
1: don't
0: if, if she won it for. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up right now. I don't know if she won it for the, uh, for the, the store and if it was for another book, but she won, Kostova, um, she won the novel. She won the Hawkwood Award for the novel in progress. So I'm assuming that means you win an award for a book that isn't done. So if she won an award for this book when oh. it was in progress, I mean, I'm trying to look it up right now, that would so, be interesting that, like if she won thingy? it before it was wow. done and it's like you can see <laughs> how maybe it started off really good and the premise is wonderful but then when it comes to you know, the end I'm trying to look it up real quick so it just says that she's oh, the no, winner no no, it's,
2: it's someone who has not published a novel previously
1: But then why is it called
0: the Novel uh, in Progress award?
1: She should be more like an author in progress, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. I don't. Yeah, novel in progress. That's that's odd. Huh? Oh, she did win it for this book. I did look it up, but I don't know what novel in progress. I don't know. We'll have to. I huh. have to like research what what is the novel. Well, but then she won another award. Oh, I she found won it. The, the, I found. Okay.
1: I was just going to say the eligibility for that type of award is someone in who is a United States citizen who has not previously published a novel. But that's all that it is. It's it's just like yep, a, that's like a de- debut novel. Because she so won another
0: Well she won another debut novel award.
2: This book won a lot of stuff and she yeah. was recognized a lot for it.
1: It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it sold a lot of books.
2: It sold a ton of books. And that's one thing where, when I suggested it, I did not realize like how widespread I guess again, mm-hmm. this was sold in an airport, right? So um which, and I, I, so I guess it's uh, it's got to be a little popular if it was sold in an airport, right? So Yeah,
0: for sure. I just found that
2: interesting. I'm like, I did not realize this was as popular as it was um, at the time. But people, and it is so polarizing. It's like reading the Crime and Punishment where it's either, a, if you look at the ratings, they're either five star or they're like one or two star. <laughs> there is like there is no three and four ratings on on like Goodreads or Google. Like none at all.
3: <laughs> See, that's exactly, that's what I would give it. I, huh, I would interesting. give it probably like a three and a half would probably like my. Somewhere like, in the was, middle. If it was shorter, I could go with a four. But I would say like a three and a half. It's not, it's definitely not, I don't think it's bad. No, it was mm-hmm. good. No, no, no. I enjoyed it. it was I think wild. the writing's very good. The writing's. Yeah, yeah she's a good writer. Yeah, really sure, she's good.
1: a very good writer.
3: Yeah, I would like to see future stuff. That's maybe mm-hmm. half the length with mm-hmm. her writing, and it, it's good. It's not. It's definitely not bad. And I don't. I don't. It doesn't. Seem, I don't see how like someone could like hate it and say like, "Oh this yeah." Is terrible. You know, it's it, and it's. I think it is saying something. Something Which she's like, written in a couple of books to.
2: since this release too, so. She's got a book called The Swan Thieves in 2009 and The Shadowland in 2017. So it feels like she mm-hmm. has a very similar genre mm-hmm. <laughs> without knowing yeah. what they're about. Without, vamp- um,
1: without vampires, though. She did say she would write books without vampires. So.
2: Mm, okay. The Shadowland delves into the horrors of a century and traverses the culture and landscape of this mysterious something. Uh it ends there. Um.
1: <laughs> it does look like though her other two books jump back and forth between time, so she probably likes reading Redner's yeah. books. Which again I don't mind it either. Like
0: a lot of Kate Warren's books yeah. do that, right, Jen? But it's like well, yeah, I feel like she just doesn't. It
1: <laughs> well yeah, what's funny is I actually just pulled up um Elizabeth Gustavo's books. And it says you may also enjoy Kate Morton underneath. Oh, that's it. funny. <laughs> so so nice. you know how to say based on this author, you may also enjoy. But I, yeah, think exactly. Kate a little better job. I don't even want to say like better job, but I would say in the sense that it's more clear because yeah, she more, does. Yeah. You know, as we talked about at the very beginning, at the top says we're in the year eighteen hundred. We're in the nineteen hundred. We're jumping back
3: and forth. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a question for Evan. Yes. Or, or or observation. So <laughs> this being Evan's choice, like I'm be honest. I really thought this book was gonna be weirder and creepier than <laughs> it was, knowing that this was Evan's choice. I I was like, this is pretty tame. Like in yeah. a lot of ways. I was really expect like I was really turning every page going, like, okay, it's gonna freak me out. It's gonna freak and there were a couple times that were good, but I was like, Where's like the the weird existential horror
2: crisis stuff happening well so i'm walking you slowly into it i've introduced oh, no. this historical <laughs> fiction <laughs> okay no, guys, I yeah enough. By, enough.
1: by season five by season five it's gonna be the creepiest book we've all ever read in our lives well <laughs> what i was
2: gonna say is the follow-up to this if we do something like this you know a year from now um I am mm-hmm. going to suggest that we read the Call of Cthulhu, and if Woo-hoo. you want to talk about—that's what I'm
3: talking about—if
2: you want to talk about um, stuff that is like, oh, like cultists and and <laughs> monsters and what? existential horror, like that's the place that we're headed. So,
3: <laughs> all right, all right, fair <laughs> enough.
2: Um, I felt like fair this was enough. a really good this was a really good transitionary book because it. I think it features a lot of things that you all appreciate within literature. Um, mm-hmm. But it also has the elements that I really like in, in some of my personal, like, reading and writing. And so I feel like it was just, we're going to, like, solely walk you into the darkness, if we will. <laughs> um,
3: oh no. That's so kind of. Um, yeah. uh, hey, that makes sense. I, that makes sense.
2: <laughs> Where the light of the lamppost can no longer reach you.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, the only light you <laughs> have is this podcast, this lamppost in the woods. <laughs> oh, help us. Well, oh, goodness. goodness.
1: This is why Evan needs cool. the lamppost in the woods. Exactly. Yeah. him back to the Magna
3: light. a guiding light. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: It's, yeah, again, I I very much appreciate that you guys were willing to uh, try this one out. And actually, so, just a couple little things, like, just, and obviously, you found it, most of you found it scary at parts, right? Mm -hmm. Did you you feel like...
1: I wouldn't even use the word scary. Like, I never was scared reading this. I've read books before where I've been scared, but I was never scared. Just a couple moments where I was like, this is creepy, And Ben alluded to it, and it is probably one of my favorite scenes, too, as well, on the train. And he didn't mention the part where the man is across the way, and he doesn't move the newspaper for minutes, and she's just staring at him. He had just magically appeared in her cabin. And then all of a sudden, he just says, where's your father, my dear? And when he said that, it, like, creeped me out. Like him mm-hmm. just saying where like where's it your brother, my dear.
3: It was so creepy. So like if, to me it was so weird, like stranger danger weird. Like you wake up and here's this creepy person just sitting there like
0: Yeah, you
3: know, yeah. Watching well, you, well there's a newspaper, <laughs> but like sitting there with you. It's like where's you t- my boyfriend? Yeah. What's going on? And then he asks that he asks that question and it builds up to it and just, there's no there's no there's no like uh interlude or not interlude, no. there's no like preface to it. he just says where's your yeah. father and it's like out
1: of nowhere because it's been silent boo, boo,
3: boo, 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 and she's gone and she just bolts well it's yeah. like you
1: can that was freaking. it just shows i think the fact
0: occurred um skill as a writer when you can do creepy and do dread without yes. being mm-hmm. all bloody and guts and yeah, everything yeah. like that because it's like you almost get the sense that like he knows that she's on to him that she's like okay this is weird but he's so confident in himself that he can still just be like where's your father my dear not just like oh hi you're on this train too like oh small talk like not like yeah. and he's yeah. like oh traveling a young alone young lady like nothing like that he just goes right into it because he's that confident and mm-hmm. uh yeah i think she does a great job with just getting like i said the setting and tone of this and the mood mm-hmm. of it and getting the dread and just knowing that something's yeah. gonna happen or it,
1: yeah, Ugh. And I would say, it was, it was I think she does she does such a good job with the setting and tone that when her characters speak, you know the tone in which they're speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, like For the sure. same oh, way. Sure. Like, I could literally hear the tone of that man in that moment. Like, that's yeah. what creeps me out, you know? Whereas if you put that in a different setting, someone says, where's your father, my dear? It's not creepy, right? So yeah. that's why I think she does such a wonderful job of that. Yeah, I thought that part of the book was absolutely brilliant.
2: It seems like that's a thing that we've lost, I think a little bit in this genre over over the last, I don't know, 50 years, where that dread where it kind of builds and it's not outright like gory or horrific. And it's something like even in even in Frankenstein, it's like he's always looking over his shoulder on like mm-hmm. when is this when is the monster going to come for me?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to
2: the point where he's like running, he's fleeing to the edges of the world to try and avoid the thing that he's created. And I feel like that even in Dracula gets accomplished so well, where it's just like there's this building of dread. Um, again, I think the execution on this one could have been a little bit better in some in some places, but um, there is a there's just something about that dread the building of dread mm-hmm, is something that we've mm-hmm. lost a lot in modern stuff so
1: mm-hmm.
2: um well i think i think it's uh as we transition to last words uh dinah you're usually the one giving us uh, the <laughs> prompt so i'm gonna give you the prompt oh no <laughs> i like to hear what you have to say
0: <laughs> well i think i'm glad i read this i think that um just surface level it just shows you that you should always try reading something because you never know like this book i i thought going into it, i was so excited because i was like i'm absolutely going to to love it because it looks like it like should check all my boxes there's some history there's a little bit of fantasy elements in it all that it's going to be 100 my favorite and i didn't 100 percent love it but i think you you look at it on the flip side that like you if you think, you know, there's a book and you're like, I don't know if that's my genre, I don't know if I'm going to like it, you yeah. always should give it a chance. And really, you can't, like, the old expression says, you can't judge a book by its cover. So that was what I got, like, at the surface level. But really, back to what I was mentioning about evil, like, it just... I'm. It's going to take me some time to, to really ruminate and, and meditate on um just, like, the, the themes that, that Dracula mentioned when he's trying to get Rossi to go onto his side and just the fact that, like different stuff has changed over hundreds of years and like technology and science and history has changed over all that amount of time. But yet in the 1400s when he was alive and then back to in the presence of this book, which was the seventies, like people are still evil and they're still the exact same problems and people are still out there trying to hurt other people. So it just makes like our, um, charge, I guess, as Christians, as people of faith to try to shine the light um to people because it's like no matter how far we go it's like they're still the same they still the same problems but then on the other end they're still the same solution and that's jesus you know so we just have to tell other people about it like same same answer same answer was that was there 100 years ago it's still the same answer today
2: great tie back very good uh
3: benjamin i think probably the 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 most enduring and lasting concept of this book is the thing we talked about at the beginning about this idea that history if it is ignored in the past and if it's not uh, put to rest that it can come clawing back to the future uh, and, and we can look at that even just in our own lives like you, you can have things in your past you don't deal with them you don't take care of them it can be 10 20 30 years down the road that can come back into your life that you never put it to rest and then it crops back up and, it, and then it becomes something terrible and something horrible you can look at Vlad the Impaler. He was a terrible, horrible guy, but because he didn't get put down, then he comes back 400 years later and he's this immortal vampire. And it only gets worse when you get to that point. So perhaps we can we can go with, uh, you know, in our personal lives, put things to rest. Don't let don't let things go unsaid or untaken care of, or just let them fester in your past. But then I would also say as well, don't let's not judge history from our from our our current perspective and act like, oh, we'd never do that. We would never be like that. That could never, that could never affect us. I think we look at someone like Vlad and like we, we, we could never do that. We'd never be like that. But we're saying that from a certain um, high ground in history because we're, we're later now. We're at, we're, at a, we're at a different time, different place. We don't have to be like this character, you know? So I think that's another thing probably what she's going for is like history. If we have that sort of attitude towards history, it can come back to haunt us and it can repeat itself. Mm-hmm. There's an age old adage, you know, if you don't learn from history, it'll repeat itself. Um, so I think we ought to pay attention to history, things that happened in the past in our own life, but also in, in, in generations before us. But let's not let those things define us. Let's take care of those things then and let's let's have victory here in the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like what you guys had to say about kind of putting things to rest and i think culturally in our society there are things that are like feels like a generational curse things that are perpetuated every for every generation and it causes problems for more and more people because we we don't take care of it here and now and i think we i think our generation more than any generation has seen some really terrible things that have gone on and we're like we have to we have to be responsible for change. Otherwise, this is going to continue to permeate our culture, our civilization for generations to come. Um, and so for us to break the cycle of sin and break the cycle of of racism and, and civil injustice and all of that, like the more that we can do to be effective and, and share the love that Christ wants us to show to everyone, I think the better off that we can be. Um, Jen, why don't you finish for us
1: oh man i don't even know what to say after all of that i feel like you guys just really summed it all up so very well i mean so there there was a quote in the book that really stood out to me i think there was a lot i mean you guys know i love history and so i gravitate towards a lot of the parts in the book that was talking about history but one thing that the narrator i think it's the narrator who mentions this but I forget who says this, but the quote is anyone who pokes around in history long enough may well go mad. And I think just as Ben was alluding to, Evan, Dinah, all of you guys were alluding to it, that with our own history, like if we go back and keep trying to go back, like we're going to go mad. And that's not the way we're supposed to live. And and the beautiful thing is we know, like in our lives as Christians, as believers, that we don't have to continually go back to our own history, but that God, God writes a new story. God, you know, gives us this light that allows us to move forward and then help others to rewrite their own history for themselves, for their families, no matter where you come from, what country you come from, all of that. And I think that's the beautiful truth that we get to live out as Christians. And, you know, maybe in the story in the historian, we see how at the end, Dracula Apparently doesn't die which i still can't get over that and we we think well it's almost kind of like this this sense that well no matter what in life like evil is always going to be prevalent that you can't kill it and that is true to a certain extent however we know that mm-hmm. one day evil is going to be defeated forevermore mm-hmm. and that is what is so beautiful that we get to hope for and know that jesus did what he did and came here and endured the cross so that one day he can come back for his church and redeem forevermore everything that evil tried to come against that ultimately god has power over everything and so i think that's what's as a reminder as i'm reading this and kind of being like oh man like yeah, evil's pretty prevalent. And we know that in our lives, um, in, in our histories, right? In our own individual histories. But at the end of the day, God, his grace, his power, his strength is what overcomes all of that. And I'm so thankful that we get to have that. And hopefully our listeners today too, that you can walk away knowing that no matter what evil is presented before us, that there is still hope and that we have a day to look towards when evil will forever be defeated.
2: Well, thank you for, to all of our listeners for joining us on our quest to find true meaning in our favorite stories. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe to The Lamp Post in the Woods wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Um, our intro and outro music is called The Missing Piece and it was composed and performed by Jacob Koppel. Jennifer, where can people connect with us on social media?
1: You can connect with us on Instagram at The Lamp Post in the Woods. And I know I say this so often, but we still have not had people write a review for us. So, <laughs> except Please. except for except for Caleb who wrote us a review. So thank you for that. Shout but out to we Caleb. have not had. Yes, we appreciate it. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing, guys. I I get many of you. You you message you dm me so for all those who don't know who your message on the lamppost in the woods it is me um and and we have conversations or you send messages about an episode you liked all of that and i love reading all that but it would be really awesome if you guys could write a review so that other people out there can read about our podcast and it can reach broader audiences because I know you probably hear this on every podcast but it really does help us reach more people and yeah so we'd appreciate that thank you in advance
2: (laughs) (laughs) and we hope of course that you will join us for our next episode Benjamin what will we be discussing next time
3: I think this will be the podcast episode to rule them all (laughs) <laughs> because we'll be discussing the one and only The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Finally, we've I mean—we've discussed it multiple times, we've referenced it, but we have read all three parts that comprise one book called The Lord of the Rings and we're going to take our time and go through and just uh, tear it apart, look through it, and just maybe geek out about all our favorite parts of The Lord of the Rings. So you are not going to want to miss out.
2: Thank you, sir. Wherever you find yourself on life's journey, we hope and pray that this lamppost in the woods will help guide you to a hopeful future. See you next time. <laughs>